0: Um, Welcome to Blue Royalty, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessica Humphreys, joined today by Yash Takur after a fairly eventful opening group stage match for Chelsea away at Real Madrid. Um, Yash is, for people who don't know, a a Real Madrid fan, um, but also a great thinker around women's football. Um, There's a lot of stuff, I think, to get through from this game. Both stuff sort of on the pitch in terms of how the game was played and more not off the pitch but you know like <laughs> refereeing influence things to talk about so we'll, we'll get through all of that um but yeah, just to kick us off I guess what what were your sort of overall thoughts from the game because it kind of feels hard to like draw grand conclusions when games are so influenced by by big decisions like that and I'm just wondering from sort of that Real Madrid perspective how how does that feel kind of being on the other side of it as it were
1: yeah, I mean, my first thought after the game was we definitely got away with one. <laughs> that is what, that is what I was thinking because uh even like when when we were doing, when we were recording, we were sort of previewing our Champions League uh group stage games against different opponents because uh we are going to be facing Chelsea. Then up next we have Barcelona, so this was going to be a very tough time for us. Uh, and just before that we faced Real Sociedad, and we blew away we also that and i was like, fully expecting us to lose and if you look at the game the way it went we probably should have lost the game but to come away with it with a draw i know it's very controversial and i i definitely get where <laughs> where chelsea fans feel hard done by they they, they are right in feeling so as well uh, but yeah uh, this one point matters a lot because last night Haken won against paris fc and paris fc have gotten here after beating some really big teams so you know them playing against big teams is something that is a bit of a you know dicey situation you don't want to be there in that situation with them probably because they have shown their fair share of steel even before the tournament has started so you know i was pretty happy with just getting away with one here <laughs> no matter how it came about so yeah
0: yeah, look, sometimes you've just got to take what's what's put in front of you and it's not really yeah. sort of Real Madrid's fault that those decisions go the way they did. And I think it's kind of funny as well, like what's what's a bit weird about this game is that obviously Chelsea drew, this Chelsea-Real Madrid drew the away, the away game last year in the group stage. And in that match, Chelsea didn't really play very well and I thought they were a lot better this year. Um, but in both cases, from a Chelsea perspective, I kind of feel like, well... This is always going to be the hardest game in in the group, in my opinion. Um, and to come away with a point is is not. Out, if you just look at the result, is not necessarily a bad thing. What's annoying is then when you sort of maybe look at the performance and and the decisions that go against them and then you then you feel like, well, no, we should have got three points from our hardest game in the group stage. But we'll we'll start by looking at how the two teams set up. We'll we'll dive into the refereeing and talk about all of that, and then we'll go back and have a look at the game itself. Because I know from a Chelsea fan perspective, there were some mixed opinions on how the team played, how good we were, um. Whether Hayes should have made more subs, so we'll have a, we'll have a chat around that. But we'll start with your three word match reviews. Uh, there's a strong theme coming in from some of these. So Clayton says corruption or incompetence. Ishan says Neve Charles Brace R.I.P. to the goal that never was for Neve. Uh, Neon says fixed by UEFA. Rob says UEFA cheat Chelsea. Damien says three blind refs. Chelsea pride go with twelve women Madrid. John goes with. A, net, a gift from a Netflix show that I've got no idea what show it is but that's the felony which I thought was really funny uh, and Patrick goes with we were robbed I will continue the referee theme and go with farcically poor refereeing Yash, do you have a, a three word match review for us?
1: Got away with one that's four words <laughs> but you
0: know No, we'll accept that you can say gotter
1: A shit house win A shithouse shit shit win A shithouse
0: draw Yeah, yeah shithouse Oh shit, That's that's pretty strong, I think. Um okay, we will take a an ad break here at, at the start and then we'll we'll talk about the game. So the match finished 2-2 between Real Madrid and Chelsea. Real Madrid went ahead through a deflected Olga Carmona shot in the tenth minute. Neve Charles got the equalizer just before half time in the forty-first minute. Sam Kerr put Chelsea in the lead in the seventy-fourth before Olga scored a penalty in the 79th and then Chelsea scored again in the 95th minute, but it was ruled out for offside. Let's start with with looking at how the two teams lined up. Um, Real Madrid going with Misa in goal. Ayana, Ivana, Kathleen, and Olga as their back four. Tereya Ballera and Sandy Toletti and Claudia Zornosa in the midfield with Athenia on the right, Linda Caicedo on the left and Senior Brun up top. Yash, was this about what you expected? Um, the only slight surprise for me maybe was Athenia playing. Um, but I don't know what you kind of thought about that decision.
1: No, I think this is uh this is probably the lineup that I was expecting. The only change that uh, I was a bit surprised with was seeing Ivana back in the lineup because uh this has been a consistent theme with Real Madrid over the course of this season where we have shut out ivana for some reason even though she is our best center back by far and i think we got to see that in in some occasions as well where she was stepping out and she was uh making some important defensive interventions but that was the only change that i was surprised with. i was pretty happy seeing Oihane start at um uh, at right back because we have this tendency again to go with kent in big games or you know sort of play ivana there uh, at right back where she has never she had never played there before playing uh, uh there in that position against chelsea last season which i was very surprised with but uh speaking of the attack i think this is uh a very template attack that we go with linda is a mainstay there uh zornosa and maite they are competing for a spot but i think the manager prefers zornosa in that number 10 role since beer is gone away due to an injury uh but yeah Atenea. Linda and Brun are the three staples in our attack. So I wasn't very uh, surprised with the lineup, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and you're touching touching on Ivana a bit there. I thought she, she had a really important role to play. And for me, one of the things that was probably more negative about Chelsea's performance with Sam Kerr still looking off it. But I do think Ivana had a, a lot to do that with that. She stuck with Sam really close and you could see Sam being forced to sort of drop a lot and try and get away from her. And maybe the one sort of adjustment I'd have liked to see Chelsea make is thinking about who, which, who were going to be the runners into the box if... Sam was dropping, and I felt like that was you, you know, maybe something that Fran or Shukunuskun could have been asked to do a bit more of in order to exploit the, the gaps that Ivana was leaving as a result. That was something in game that I thought Chelsea could have done better to adjust to. But just talk about the Chelsea lineup here as well. So fairly predictable one. I I think this um AKB in goal, Jess Carter, Millie Bright, and Ashley Lawrence as this sort of quasi. Back three thing that we've got going on with new Charles as that left back wing back thing, Cuthbert and Nuskin in the midfield with Kirby as the ten and then Jesse Fleming, Johanna Ritting, Canard and Sam Kerr. I guess Lawrence was maybe the player that that was the surprise here. Yash, I know you um did some nice viz from the weekend about Eve Perisay's performance against Everton, and, and she's been really good for, for Chelsea so far this season when she's come in, whereas Lawrence, it feels like she's still, maybe understandably, sort of getting up to speed with, with the team. Um, What what did you think about sort of that decision from Chelsea's perspective? I think Lawrence and Parasite feel like they offer quite different things from that right-back, right-sided centre-back role.
1: Yeah, so my initial reaction was obviously because uh, I mean I like both Lawrence and Perisay, but given her performance at the weekend and given how she has been performing over the course of the season as well, I think uh, I was expecting to see Perisay there. But when I saw what you guys were trying to do in game and how Lawrence was influencing and affecting our pressing structure, I uh, I understood why Lawrence was preferred because uh, Lawrence making that right-sided centre-back, going into that right-sided centre-back role had a big influence on our pressing structure and how you guys were able to disrupt it because we usually press in a 4-4-2 uh, with uh, Brun and the number 10, whoever it is, trying to be the front two and trying to press the centre-backs. And we try to match with the centre-backs. So what was happening here when Lawrence was uh doing that back three thing during the build-up from, uh, from the goalkeeper, it forced Linda to sort of try to come up and follow uh, Lawrence there because Linda was supposed to be dropping deep and trying to mark uh, whoever the wide player is on the right-hand side. And when that was happening, Linda was pushed up. That left uh, a lot of space for uh, JRK to receive the ball. And that was an easy out ball for you guys to play through because you have got one of our players sucked high up due to that back three thing. So I I understood why that was done later on when I when I as the game panned out, but yeah, I was expecting to see Perry say there given her performances this season. But I I'm I'm not going to complain about that. I think it was a good game plan that you guys had there with Lawrence.
0: Yeah, and I actually think that that thing of sucking players opposition players away is so key when you've got someone like Kanarid who is definitely a player who you get the most out of her, or she's able to be the most effective when they're sort of space for her to run into um you know whether that's with the ball at her feet or putting a ball over the top because of her speed and also space for her to pass into I think the thing that was really frustrating with Canard last night which I just think ultimately is the reality of a player who's a good winger without being an excellent winger is that when she's sort of putting balls into people's feet they they don't come with the precision that you would expect from a really really elite winger and so I think for her spaces is how she she really thrives and it's been interesting to see her getting a bigger role within the Chelsea team in, in terms of thinking about that the structure of the team as a whole and it would be also interesting I think to see what happens with Aggie Beaver-Jones over this season because I think she's someone who can play a similar role maybe with a potentially higher technical ceiling let's go into the refereeing now just because I, I kind of want to get it out the way because I think there are more interesting things to talk about in this game because I had to do my match report on refereeing because it was like it it did become the whole game but generally it wouldn't be my preference I think that's what can be so annoying is you're like this was a really interesting game between two like high level teams ultimately and instead we end up getting talked about talking about stupid decisions but we'll start with the the penalty Um, Chelsea were 2-1 up at this point and Looked pretty much in in cruise control. I think they were happy to sort of settle for the two one. Real Madrid didn't really look like they were gonna get back in the game. They didn't even really look like they were super pushing for it. To be totally honest, um, but the there was a turnover and Athena was was free with Neve Charles out of position. Jesse tracked back to try and cover for Neve and makes a tackle slash attempts to bring her down. Quite clearly outside the area. I was like right buy this and I there was not a single bit of me that thought this was a penalty because it was so clearly out out the area in my opinion and it was kind of like exactly what a player tracking back should potentially do in this is like you make the foul take the yellow like you're you're way out the area you like you set up for the free kick rather than letting her sort of get into the box and you can see from the screenshots that will have been shared you know like Real Madrid have have runners ultimately so I can see why it was a decision Jesse felt like she had to make um but it's so far out the box yeah
1: yeah I mean I'm not going to say it was a it was a penalty because I was shocked when she pointed towards the spot I was like okay I'm going to take that penalty (laughs) (laughs) because because by that point uh until the 55th or 60th minute mark we had one shot Compared to Chelsea's 11. So, it it wasn't like... The goal that we scored, it was also a deflection. And going ahead in, in terms of that game state helped us play slightly better because we were in lead. So, we could now probably just defend and, you know, make it harder for Chelsea to try and score. And that helped us. But this was like... The first goal came out of the blue. And this was... I don't have any words. Like, I any I'm not going to try and defend the decision it was a horrible decision like it was so clearly outside there was no like it it wasn't even the case where you know there's continued contact within the box or anything like it just the first contact happened outside the box and it just ended there and Athenia rolled over into the box and the rest and the worst part about this was it happens right in front of the uh, linesman yeah and you're like how how are you not able to spot that?
0: No, I know. And what's what's like weird is cause it is right in front of the lines because there's no like there's no Real Madrid players on the shoulder. There's no like offside to look for. Like Jess Carter's super deep. Like it's you don't even sort of have that kind of like, oh, you're trying to stay across two things and you lose sight of it. It's like it's really the only thing that, that's happening to, to be looked at. And as I say, like right in front of me, there wasn't like a minute where I thought it, it was a penalty. Um, and I mean, listen, Athena's going to Athena. She's like a player who's just so irritating in that sense as well. So obviously, like it becomes a, a big thing. But I think the thing that felt really irritating, which isn't just like if you have a bad decision against you, you should get one that goes your way. But is that a very similar foul happened with. Chelsea with Johanna written Canneridge, which I also think was like a free kick. But the, that contact contact arguably does continue more into the box, or certainly it gets closer. You're like, why, why do you see that one and not this one? But that's that's stupid refereeing. Um let's go to the goal then as well, the offside goal. So this is the 95th minute. This one is potentially a little bit more complicated. The penalty is just not a penalty. Um, this one, there is something great to sort of argue over. And I think generally what's annoying is because the penalty decision's bad. This one feels maybe more outrageous than it would in a normal situation because Chelsea already feel hard done by, if that makes sense. But basically it's the last kick of the game. Millie Bright puts the ball into the box. Sam Kerr's standing offside. Um, but the ball goes far overhead, and Neve Charles makes a late run, connects, really nice finish, almost identical to the the run she makes for the first goal she scores. The argument is, and I don't know, it's it's a bit unclear like what was given offside. Hayes implied that it was given offside because Kerr was interfering with the goalkeeper, which definitely wasn't a thing. The argument would be that Kerr gives Ivana like a little push but they're both sort of giving each, they're both interacting with each other. And because Kerr's offside, that that impacts play. I can I can see it. And I, I wouldn't have been surprised, like as a as we'll chat maybe a bit about VAR next. The way VAR works and the way that it sets quite a high bar, I think for interference, I wouldn't have been surprised if that was given offside, even with VAR, even though personally for me, I didn't think Sam Kerr was interfering with play.
1: Yeah, me neither. <laughs> me neither because uh, you know it's a, it's a common practice among strikers to you know slightly sway offside and try to you know bring that line slightly deeper or try to generate space or try to t- go into the blind side of of the defender it is a very common practice for the, for the strikers to you know try and st- sway slightly offside and that is fine and i don't i mean there were there were arguments there were madrid fans trying to uh, reason this out by saying okay Sam Kerr is interfering with with the play and I did not see it I mean how is she interfering with any play there I I I, it's beyond my understanding I don't know what what happened there Uh, because it was it was a pretty clear uh, not offside goal it should have stood Uh, the same thing like happened earlier in the first half as well like this this whole uh, bad refereeing thing wasn't just restricted to these two decisions that uh, you know became the whole talking point. It, it was also like in in the early on in the in the first half as well. There was this instance. There was this sequence of play where Madrid were trying to build from the from the right hand side, and Linda Caicedo was played through, and Linda was miles on side, and she was just offside, right right beside the the linesman. And I was like, how is that possible? Because and at that point i realized that there are going to be some contentious decisions in this game i never expected them to be this big this big and this influential in the overall result but yeah i mean the refereeing was overall very very poor i i don't think it was an offside i don't think it was a penalty no matter how much i love real madrid and how much <sighs> i love this result for us but yeah it was just it was just blatantly wrong
0: where do you stand sort of on the the var within the group stages I feel like I find VAR very annoying especially in terms of how long it can take how pernickety it can be but games like this turn me back into like full VAR supporter because sometimes when I'm watching the men's game like I'll get wound up about irritating VAR decisions so the one that annoyed me like quite recently was the Caicedo goal against Tottenham when Nicholas Jackson's like heel is offside and he sort of like dummies the ball through his legs. And, and so the whole goal is shrugged off. And I'm like, that is a great goal, an important point in the game. And you're like, this is so irritating. But then you get to games and decisions like this. And I'm like, OK, scrap what I just said. Like, I will take those irritating decisions because nothing is more infuriating than stuff that's so badly wrong. And I know VAR sometimes does famously get things so badly wrong, e.g. offside decisions. Um, You know, obviously there's been big stuff within the Premier League in that. But I think particularly in the Champions League, what I find really bizarre, Yash, is that we have it in the knockout stages. And I just don't understand how we can say this is something. If this game was played in the knockout stages, these decisions change. But because they're played in the group stages, they don't. And I'm like, that just feels like it jeopardises the integrity of the competition. Ultimately, if Real Madrid or Chelsea don't get out of this group stage from here, they will have more to blame than the referee in this match. But at the same time, it has changed the game and the result of the game.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, the point that you bring up about we are being available from the knockout stages, but not in the group stage, it's just, it's just very hard to wrap your head around because if there's VAR, there's VAR across or there's no VAR. Like if, if you're asking us to deal with human error, ask us to deal with it throughout the tournament, not just, you know, league phases. Like, okay, fine. We don't have VAR. We have to deal with these, these human errors on on throughout the tournament. That's fine. Because, you know, you would expect, okay, this human error has gone against us now it might go with us some next time but uh that margin of error that margin of uh correction for the human error is taken away once var is introduced because even though the offside calls and stuff is frustrating but largely what var gives you out is is largely correct right like it it is what the rule book says like even if it's like millimeters offside it's still offside so you know it, it might be frustrating as a fan to watch okay like that is making no significant difference to to the play even if it's to, uh, even if the player's toe is slightly offside that doesn't make a difference but you know it's still it still abides by the rule like if it's offside it's offside but with this sort of thing i it just it just makes me feel like women's football is uh you know not seen as as it, at that level where, you know, you are providing the best of the facilities, the best of the technology, right from the start, you're like, okay, we can neglect this and when we will get higher viewership in the knockout stages, when there are consistently big games, big, big teams clashing against each other, at that time, we'll uh, showcase it with the best of the technology and that doesn't sit right with me. Like, If you don't want to have it don't have it for the entire tournament that's fine by me like okay we don't have var we don't have it throughout the tournament that's fine but having it in the later stages and you know such decisions definitely make an impact on which teams progress out of the group Uh, we are talking about this in chelsea versus real Madrid but let's consider somebody like Haken who won their first game and then they have a similar sort of situation against chelsea where they are drawing a game and then they suddenly lose due to a contentious decision and that could derail their entire campaign and progressing to the knockout stages can mean a lot for teams like and teams like Paris FC who, who are you know for whom the sums of money can make a huge lot of difference just progressing into the next stages so yeah I mean I can't wrap my head around the fact that we have VAR in the knockouts but not in the group stages.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, and you know, it wasn't just in in this game. There were issues in in other matches which weren't as quite as ridiculous. But you know, Damjanovic could easily have been sent off, and I think would have been with VAR for for Bayern. And that's an example a group where you know they were playing Roma, and Roma did actually get a draw, which probably is a good result for them. But if you're in a group, if you're Roma, and you're a group with Bayern Munich, Paris Saint Germain, and Ajax. You're kind of thinking, well, those those that's a group where you know every point really is going to count. Maybe in a way that Chelsea should feel like, okay, Hecken and, and Paris FC are beatable home and away at the very very least, and that would be enough. I think if you're Roma in that sort of group of death, it's not it's not quite as clear cut as you go on to like pick up points everywhere else you go, and so I think you know then it kind of gets really frustrating there. Um, but it's going to carry on being irritating. And to be fair, refereeing is just like as an institution across football at the moment, really, really poor. And it's annoying because it it takes away from games that are interesting for other reasons. But we will try and now talk about (laughs) why the game was interesting for other reasons after this break. So it's interesting to me that this sort of Chelsea performance divided. Fans And I don't know how much the result played into that, Um, you know, leaving with a draw. And I don't think Chelsea created a lot of clear cut opportunities, but I think they created enough to win. And I think they had enough control to win. Um, And in that sense, I thought it was a really strong performance. Just quickly going through some of the stats Chelsea had. 20 shots to Real Madrid's four, eight on target to Real Madrid's two, 62% of the possession. Um, They had 10 corners to Real Madrid's one and finished with an XG of 1.8 against Real Madrid's 0.9, the bulk of which obviously will be the penalty. So in terms of like open play, expected goals conceded, this was like Chelsea's, best performance of the season. You know, for context, in the 6-0 over Aston Villa, Aston Villa managed an XG of like 0.7. So it's very hard because obviously when you concede things like the penalty that wasn't wasn't won, and as you've already referenced, Yash, Olga Carmona's shot, which opens the scoring, takes a big deflection off, off Millie Bright, there is, you know, Real Madrid win the ball, like turn the ball over and like create that shooting opportunity. So I don't want to just be like, oh, it's just a totally freak deflection. But it's one of those things that if it doesn't deflect, like I think AKB easily just takes hold of that shot. What did you sort of make overall of of Chelsea and Real Madrid's performance in this match and, and what it kind of said more broadly about where the two teams are at?
1: I think the first thought that I had was how games state influenced how we played in the first half. So, if you look at the first half, once um, you know first five ten minutes, it was sort of a back and forth. We were trying to go forwards. Chelsea were pushing up, and uh then this goal happens, and it changes the dynamics. Like that is always the case with with our games in general as well. Uh, this has been a theme where we score our first goal quite early, or we score our first goal due to these deflections or you know sort of a error at the back and a lot of the these errors are not manifested by real madrid's pressing or anything like that like yeah we turned the ball over but it wasn't something uh like it wasn't turned over in a in a very dangerous position it was a it was a hopeful shot from olga who likes to take long shots and uh you know it took a deflection and it went in i wasn't expecting it to it it went in and that changed the dynamics because now chelsea suddenly were trailing in the game and real madrid had a comfortable one goal lead now okay one goal lead is not much but you have got something to defend now wherein if you defend you can at least try chelsea from scoring twice you know so you can run away with a with a draw in that regard and that is what it felt like for for the rest of the half until chelsea scored their second and we tried to sort of take that initiative and try and and, and score but until then it was almost like we weren't pressing high uh, given chelsea were building in a in a back 3 plus 2 sort of uh, scenario where they had their two midfielders and and the back three we were sitting back like we were we were trying to uh, protect those uh, or cover those two midfielders in in the double pivot with erin and and Nuskan. We were trying to sit in a mid-block and we were trying to invite Chelsea to come and attack our box and try to f- make opportunities off, off of that. And in, in that regard, uh, some of the defensive performances that we saw from Ivana and some of the defensive performances that we saw from Oihane were pretty good. I, I think they they sort of restricted them to, uh, you know, not many dangerous chances, as you mentioned. Uh, and I was pretty happy with, with Misa's performance as well. Like there were a couple of opportunities where she made some really good saves. Uh, one particular where Sam Kerr took a really good touch in the, in the box and took the shot and it was traveling in and she made a really good stop at the near near post and I feel like once we had that lead we go into this defensive shape that makes it look like we are sort of giving Chelsea a, a run for their money but I think that all changes because of that goal initial goal uh changes a lot and I, I feel like this game state impact in our games in general in over the league and across across competitions is is the same thing this is what we normally do we score a goal and then we we get an early goal and then it that changes the complete scenario if if the opposition is of a good level they'll try to come at us and we we have the opportunity to defend with numbers and we have the opportunity to to try and uh, deny them good opportunities and if the op- uh, opponent is not so great then they crumble because you have considered an early goal and then we have a free run at, at goal and we score m- multiple goals that is how it all begins with real madrid if if you manage to keep real madrid uh, from scoring until the first 60 70 minutes i i think there is uh, we, we run out of ideas that is what i'm trying to say we have very few ideas in possession <laughs> to begin with and if you try to restrict us until the 60th minute then we Try to do haphazard things, and then you'll see a lot of long shots flying in and stuff like that. Because our chance creation in general from settled possession is not so great, uh, unfortunately, (laughs) despite the sort of players that we have. Uh, But yeah, I think the goal, the initial goal, the first goal from Olga definitely had an impact on this. And in terms of where the teams stand, I think uh, despite the outside noise or the people from the outside looking in, they think Real Madrid is this great club who are closing the gap to Barcelona and stuff like we consistently finish second. We are consistently playing Champions League. It it might look like it. If you look at the table as well, we have a lot of wins. We have very few losses and stuff like that. But if you watch us week in and week out, you would know that we are nowhere near the top clubs at the moment. And that's the truth. I'm not afraid in uh, admitting it because, you know, uh, our... Tactical approach is not very refined. It it is barely existent at times. Like uh, it's very frustrating to watch watch the team uh sometimes. And yeah, I think I think we are a we are a cut below the top teams at the moment. And Chelsea is definitely ahead of us. So yeah, I mean I'm not afraid of admitting <laughs> that. I I don't think I don't think uh painting a sugar coated image about uh, our results uh, going by our results uh. You know, it it belies our performances on the on the pitch. So yeah,
0: yeah, and I think because I, I made sure I tuned into a number of your podcasts, Yash, uh, sort of in preparation for this game. And something that I know you you've spoken about a lot is Real Madrid's sort of off the ball, out of possession approach. And I think that was something that really really stood out to me in this, and and something I thought Chelsea did really well. And Chelsea's off the ball approach has been quite interesting. It's changed quite a lot over the years. We used to be a much more high-pressing team than we've become, but now we definitely feel like we focus more on having a very energetic midfield and really focusing on on winning the ball there. And I think definitely when you've got um, a, a sort of double pivot of Aaron Cuthbert and um you're going to really, really work on, on turning over the ball and, and then creating chances from there. And I think that's something that actually all across the pitch especially also when you've got Jesse Fleming who again is sort of famous for really like putting in the work and and being a good presser of the ball almost above and beyond her like creative capacities as an attacker Um, I felt like this is where Chelsea were really able to disrupt Real Madrid and almost anything that they wanted to create it felt like unless the ball was going to go out to like Linda and Linda was going to somehow get past Ashley Lawrence which I think happened maybe once maybe twice in the game um there wasn't really much that Real Madrid had in in the way of other ideas honestly and apart from the penalty I wouldn't have known Athenia was even on the pitch um like she was totally anonymous for like large large portions of the game um and yeah I was just like interested in what you thought about both teams sort of off the ball approach and how that may be impacted impacted everything because I feel like it allowed Chelsea to have control but almost because Real Madrid was so passive that sort of allowed you to keep the defensive shape which stopped that greater chance creation which I think would have made Chelsea's performance look better understandably if we created more chances
1: yeah in terms of our of world approach I'll talk about uh Real Madrid first before touching on Chelsea uh the the biggest difference if if Rocio and Sousa which is our go-to center-back partnership started this game I think Chelsea would have found a lot more joy than they did because uh, in those two in in that combination we don't have a, a very good aggressor who can step up and you know sort of deal with Kerr dropping and playing those uh, layoffs out wide and and stuff like that, which Ivana did to a very good extent, I I felt like. And uh, Ivana's presence in the backline helped us shepherd a lot of things. And you would notice as well, like Kerr was initially trying to deal with Ivana uh, from the right-hand side, and then uh, slowly she shifted at times to uh, Sousa's side, and she absolutely cooked her in, in the second half because... Uh, there were instances where uh, even the second goal that Chelsea scored, if you if you look at it, she drops, uh, Kerr drops early to to receive the ball in in the midfield in that sort of half space, and she drags uh, drags Eva, uh, Sousa with her, and then she turns around and there's no way Sousa can catch her because uh, Sousa for for all its worth, like she not a great defender. She's she's tall and Despite that, she does not bring any sort of aerial uh dominance either. So Kerr turns away from her, Kerr makes a run, she cannot catch her up. Then Kerr attacks the box and Kerr dunks on her on Susa's head there for, for that goal. She rises above Susa and, and scores that header. So even in that goal, uh, when Kerr shifted towards Susa's side and tried to influence the game, that is when Kerr you know, sort of had more influence on the game, had more Im- visible impact on the game because there were moments where you would like, okay, Kerr is uh, being frustrated and Kerr hasn't had the best, uh, you know, sort of season there. There's always this complaint that, okay, she's, she's not at her best. She's not scoring the goals at the rate that she used to, but uh, she she's a player that will always, you know, sort of be in that uh, bracket where, she needs a chance and then then she'll probably put it away or she's obviously causing ruckus in the box with with the with the defenders and i think where we managed to deal well with it it was ivan due to ivana and due to poihane for for large part because uh yeah neem charles had had a great game uh but poihane did did well to sort of you know deal with that double trouble of jesse fleming and uh neem charles on on that side and also dropping into that half space to uh, turn sort of facilitator. So, I feel in that regard, uh, I was pretty happy with the right side of our of our defense uh, that managed to deal with some of the threat. In terms of what Chelsea were trying to do, it was it was both teams had similar uh, off ball shape. Like we were in a four four two, you guys were also in a in a four four two. What I would have liked to see from Chelsea was try to press us because uh, when we were trying to build up, we were pushing Terre really back to receive from the goalkeeper and we were trying to build out from that. If Chelsea would have applied pressure uh, on Terre and had a player sort of close to both of our centre-backs, I think that would have disrupted and that would have forced us to go long. And when we go long, we basically just have one target, and that is Brune to, you know, sort of get the first contact and make something off of it. Try to hold the ball because we don't really necessarily have runners in behind either with our wide players. Uh Linda Caicedo can do those, but Athenia is is sort of a touchline hugging winger who will receive and then attack you with the ball at her feet. She's not one to make the run in behind uh that diagonal out to in run. She's not she's not the player to do that. So if you try to force us long. And you have Millie Bright to deal with senior Brun. I think that would have helped Chelsea win a lot more second balls and have more control, which you ultimately did. But still, like I, I felt like if you guys would have taken a slightly more aggressive approach on our center backs, especially on Sousa's side, I think that would have uh, definitely resulted in more high turnovers, and you know Chelsea could have capitalized by that, which is what I was. A little surprised with because you guys were also sitting back a little and giving our midfielders sort of the chance to uh, escape the shadow of your front two of Kerr and Kirby and receive the ball uh, there or you know giving Terry the sort of free run to go into the box and receive and then dictate play from from that position but yeah I would have liked to see some some high pressing on our center back because that is a very vulnerable position that we that we have and, you know, a lot of teams are catching up on that. I, I thought Chelsea would as well. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately you guys had control, so it's it's a moot point. But, yeah, it could have resulted in much better opportunities than Chelsea overall had, I guess.
0: Yeah, it is really interesting. It's, it's definitely a conscious decision that Chelsea have made um, over the past couple of seasons. And I'd be intrigued to know why. I don't know whether Hayes just feels like playing at that level of intensity throughout a season is too risky in terms of sort of injuries and exhaustion. And she doesn't want to coach like multiple different types of press. Like she wants to use one type of press throughout the season and therefore is going for a slightly like lower level one. But I agree. It's something that surprises me. It's not the first time we've come up against a team where I've been like, press their centre backs, so they will turn the ball over. Um So it, it it's an interesting one to see change. it. It's not something I've really been able to get the, to the bottom of why why we play like that. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of how that develops. I wonder if Chelsea do just feel like they want to prioritise being able to control games rather than, and, and doing that more from a mid-block rather than and a mid, mid-press, rather than trying to play one way against certain teams. But then when you come up against CA Barcelona, for example, being like, you've got to entirely change how you play.
1: Yeah, just felt like, you guys gave us a lot of respect in that regard because I, i'm not saying that the real Madrid are complete pushovers or anything but i think uh you know you could have pressed us and you could have gotten better chances uh, this felt like something chelsea would you know try to do or uh more focused approach in going into falling into a mid block immediately after uh losing possession or being against uh not having the ball uh this felt like something you would do against a team that is really dominant in in possession and can really create uh chances or opportunities from sustained possession which real madrid is not so great at at the moment so yeah it felt like you guys gave us a lot of respect and yeah I've, i i i was expecting a little more ruthlessness from from chelsea to you know because despite everything like real madrid does not have a very storied history so far you know so Chelsea could have, you know, come with sort of a little more aggressive approach and that would have paid dividends for them. But, yeah, I'm not complaining.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe sort of the experience of of last season as well, informing that, like, I, I agree that I don't think I can understand why people would look at Real Madrid and be like, oh, are we giving them too much respect? But I think actually both games last year even though we won the home game quite comfortably it did take us a while to score um and like some of our goals were a bit more on the like fluky end of things I think as a result of pressure but you know obviously the away game as well um we we get we gave away a stupid goal from a silly error and then we're sort of lucky with the way our penalty went in so I don't know whether that kind of informed it. And I will say Anne Berger was doing her best at points to recreate the goal from last season, which was more than a bit anxiety-adducing. Uh, I want to talk about new Charles because she was robbed of, of her late winner, which I think would have really cemented this as one of like the great like group stage Champions League performances. She's been Chelsea's best player this season. I don't think that's like controversial to say at the moment. She's so crucial to what Chelsea are doing. She got a goal and an assist in this game, which... I showed, I think, showed exactly why Hayes loves her so much because she's become this player who you can use as this sort of wing back, full back position because she can do the defensive work now. That's what she was lacking before, but she's got the instincts of someone who who grew up as a winger, who grew up as a forward. Um, you know, we've seen her play as a nine before for Chelsea, like those runs, those later runs that that she got into the the box for both the. Goal from the Ashley Lawrence cross and and the goal from that wasn't a from the Millie Bright cross are very very similar and I think, um, it's really really just amazing to see how much she's improved and at this point she's the first name on the team sheet.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, and I made a tweet as well, like just before we we started this recording. I think, uh, where I feel like Neam Charles is the most improved player over the last two seasons. Because you look at her, and she was this, you know, winger who loved to attack, and now she is being turned into this left back, that is just impressive overall. Like if you look at her first goal, when Ashley Lawrence makes that cross, okay, you can you can say Atenea should have you know kept an eye on on Niam Charles, but Niam Charles is nowhere in the frame when that cross, uh, comes in. And she just barges in and scores a wonderful, uh, wonderful header. Then you look at the second goal and that cross. Amazing cross. Like a perfect delivery at the far post for Sam Kerr to attack. And, you know, you, you can't ask more for, more than that. Because Neem Charles is running up and down in the 95th minute again. Like that goal probably should have stood. And she's again making that run uh, from the wingback position. So she has maintained her attacking instincts and added this defensive dimension to hers uh, to her game and i i feel like under emma Hayes, if if you have to rank players who have you know gone up a level or uh, improved the most i think neam charles would be right right up there uh, we have seen some uh, role changes we have seen some we have seen Cuthbert change into this all action midfielder under emma Hayes. but i think uh, neam charles is probably one of the most uh, one of the best developments of of a player, uh, you know, going going a positional change, sort of and improving vastly, and that that improvement helping not just the club but also you know country wise as well. Uh, moving forward because if if she continues to perform this way, she'll probably start at left back for for England as well. And you know that's that's a great that's a great great thing. So yeah, I I feel like she's one of the most improved players across across Europe in the last two seasons, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I always remember when Emma Hayes said, like, Neil Charles could be as good as, like, peak Lucy Bronze. And I think at the time it felt like this totally crazy thing to say. But I think it's true. I mean, Hayes' ability to individually improve players is her biggest asset as a coach, in my opinion. Um, but I think Charles really stands out as someone who... Obviously, like, had a level of talent, but was nowhere near sort of the potential that someone like Jess Carter or someone like Aaron Cuthbert was. Like, I think they were both players who you could tell that they had all, like, the ingredients to be really, really good at what they were doing, but they weren't always able to put them together in the right way. Whereas I think what's wild about seeing how Neve Charles has developed, she's got very good at things that she was terrible at um, a couple of years ago at the same time as actually also getting a lot, lot better as in those attacking areas too. Because I think, yeah, she was like a talented winger without being like someone who you, and that's probably why her position changed, right? Like you would never have put her in like a Lauren Hemp category or anything like that. So I think that's, what's really impressive. It's almost like Chelsea have molded this, role that's sort of perfect for her and as a result have like given her got her to have this really well-rounded uh game want to touch on sort of to to wrap up i think the one thing that maybe some chelsea fans felt a bit unsure about and and i would say i i kind of brought this up during the game was was the lack of substitutes so the one change was made was lauren james came on for frank kirby who i think looked a bit off it in this match. Um, You know, Chelsea have sort of had these players come in and out of the team. It's always hard with someone like Fran, who you want to sort of preserve her fitness, but you want to also get her match sharp. I think that's why we've seen so much of Sam Kerr, even though she's not looked great at points, because it's about, like, just sort of trying to play her into form. Kirby, you can't really do that in the same way because you don't want to, like, run her into the ground. Um, But James came on and there were no other subs, And I think the problem is, from my perspective at least, is that although Chelsea have a very talented bench and we've seen players like Fischl and Beaver Jones really sort of perform in individual moments this season, it's very different to put those players into a situation where you're 2-2 against Real Madrid when they've never played a Champions League game before. And I think, you know official maybe would have been the one I go for, but I also totally understand why you keep Sam on. You know, like, I would have taken Sam off at 60 minutes um, based on her performance. I'd have done the same at Everton, and both times she scored, like, way past the point where I was like, why is she still playing? Like, she looks so off it. That's just the reality of, like, having the best striker in the world in your team. So I don't know what, what you made of that. I think, for me, that, that feels like, Chelsea want to be in a situation by February, March, where the players that we're talking about on the bench are relied on to be able to come off. But I just think at this point in the season, it's really hard to say that they're ready for it.
1: Yeah, I think that played a part. I was expecting uh, J.R.K. to sort of come off for Beaver Jones or or something. I was expecting that change because uh, Beaver Jones has been uh, pretty impactful of the bench and in, in the time that she has got on the pitch and I was expecting her to see her but I sort of understand as well because Chelsea did not really need uh, you know a lot to change on the field for them to get ahead and maybe uh, the players being young and players not being as experienced at this stage uh, played a part because this was a crucial game this was a game away at Real Madrid you know uh, whatever you want to say, sometimes there's that pressure to come in a crunch moment and, you know, if you make a mistake, that completely derails your confidence uh, a lot of times and I think uh, Pies was right in protecting her players in that regard because Chelsea were largely in control, right? It wasn't like Chelsea were struggling and they needed somebody off the bench to change to change the entire look of the game for them they they just needed somebody who can be a little more effective uh, just a little more uh, incisive that is all there was no need for a big big change and uh, i was a bit shocked that they were not making many substitutions but uh, then i looked at the bench and i looked at the attacking options that uh, you guys could bring on to bring about uh, what you needed on the pitch and i, I would have probably just looked at uh, beaver jones and try to you know force that issue with uh with olga on that side because olga was pushing high up as well and you know you try to pin her back or at least try to uh, attack that space in behind uh that was my only thought but yeah i think i think uh what you mentioned about highest thinking uh that these are the players that you have to get ready come the end of the season come the second half of the season and you know it's still very early on in the season like it's just been uh what uh one month and a half for, for the since the WSLr started. So yeah
0: this is like our seventh game of the season. So we're very, yeah. very early on still.
1: So yeah, it's it's understandable that you don't want to rush your players in into a very uh you know intense situation where you don't necessarily need a, a lot of big change. So yeah, I mean fans can <laughs> fans can and fans will complain about everything when the result doesn't go your way. But I think uh, it wasn't such a big, big uh, talking point uh, for me in the game. I think Chelsea were far too much in control
0: there. Yeah, and I also think it, it reflects something which, again, is annoying when you think Chelsea probably could have and should have won. But I think also at the back of Emma Hayes's head would have been like, this is probably the hardest pic- fixture in the group and we're going to get a point. And I'd prefer to get a point than make a load of changes and lose the game chasing a win that realistically Chelsea shouldn't need. Like Chelsea should feel confident of winning everything from here, I think. And if they don't, there are bigger things going on than like making substitute. Like this isn't where you win or lose the group. And I think just being like, okay, things haven't gone our way. We've played pretty well and, and we've taken a point. Like don't, Don't turn it into something because you could tell after Real Madrid scored the penalty, there was this sense of they were like, oh, actually, maybe we can like smash and grab and and take all of this. And suddenly they looked a lot more lively. And I think Fela came on and it felt like she was sort of ready to like run and run a bit more. And even Rasso, even though I think she's rubbish, but like she's someone who can... You know, she's someone who Chelsea would be aware of that like can come and and have a moment of quality. So I think to that extent, it was easy to be like, don't try and disrupt. Because in the past, we've seen Chelsea make substitutions and we've seen Hayes make substitutions in situations where it probably hasn't called for them. And it's like made the team worse rather than better. So that's. He's going to wrap us up, just because otherwise I'm going to get chucked out of my hotel room. This is the problem with Blue Royalty on the move. Um, I'll wrap up quickly what went on elsewhere, because there were some interesting results, some results that will have an interesting effect on the group. So outside of Chelsea's group, uh, Eintracht beat Rosengard, Brand beat St Pulton. Barcelona beat Benfica, Um, Lyon beat Slavia Prague 9-0. That was the real sort of like crazy standout result um, of the weekend. Bayern Roma finished in a 2-2 draw. Ajax, shockingly, uh, or not shockingly, maybe, beat PSG 2-0. Fantastic result for them in their first ever Champions League game. Did I laugh because, uh you know, the teams that knocked out Manchester United and Arsenal both lost on the opening day? Yes, I did because Hecken beat Paris FC 2-1. That's going to be a really interesting one to see how it plays out in the group. I definitely think it will potentially make the Hecken games more intense, but uh could also be a bit of a, a very useful thing for both Chelsea and Real Madrid if those two are going to take points off each other potentially uh, across both games. That leaves the group as heck in a top with three. Chelsea and Real Madrid, obviously, both on one and Paris on zero. Just quickly, Yash, how are you feeling about Real Madrid's chances from here? As I've said for Chelsea, I think this is still a case where you want to go and win all five games from here on out. Um, that's kind of the standard if you're going to go on and go deep in this competition. But um, obviously, Real Madrid like would like to get out of this group and I think should get out of this group. But But where do you think you guys stand after this?
1: I would say, like, if you just look at the teams, I think we should be the second best team here uh, after Chelsea. But again, given that we, the way we have been playing this entire season and, you know, even since last season, we had Weir and that made all the difference a lot of the times. Now that we don't have her, uh, it's become an issue. And, you know, game results and stuff won't always show that. And if you just look at our results we it would be like okay Real Madrid are still doing great they they are a great side they they should be doing this and that but the reality is we don't <laughs> if, if you watch more than three of our games you would be like okay this team is extremely frustrating to watch uh and yeah that's that's the reality of it and haken are coming off a really good league campaign you know uh, they just missed out on the on the title and they have, a, they have a lot of, you know, uh, sort of minutes that have gone into their tank already. They are not at the early stage of their season because their season works differently. Their football calendar works differently than than the normal one. So And they have got players like Anna Anvegaard. They have got players like Rubenson. So, you know, there are quality players there. Anvegaard is going through a renaissance after returning to uh, Sweden. She is in form. Paris FC, even though they employ uh, 35-year-olds who who should not be playing at the level that they are currently. But yeah, Sandrine Suveland is doing a great job uh, there as well. And we have seen that, you know, if if it's a smash-and-grab contest, they'll probably come away with something there. And yeah, so I am a bit worried, but touch wood, we make it out of the group and we should. So hopefully, hopefully somebody steps up. Linda Caicero.
0: Yeah, I think there'll be more twists and turns to come, and I think it's quite an yeah. interesting group for that reason. But that finishes up for today. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Yash, it was really interesting to to chat through definitely some of the more footballing things that happened in the game. Um for Chelsea, we are off to the bridge for a Saturday lunchtime kickoff against Liverpool, um, before hosting Paris on Thursday. And then Leicester at home on Sunday. So there are sort of next fixtures before the international break. We will obviously be covering all of those for you. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.